Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. My name is Nazmin. And my name is Maryam. Welcome to our podcast. In this episode, we have our guest sister, Madiha, who is passionate about empowering Muslim women. She is a life coach and helps and supports Muslim women on their journey of healing, growth, and self-transformation. Welcome, Sister Madiha. We are very happy to have you on our podcast and for you to share your experiences with us. Jazakallah for having me. I'm excited and super, 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 super ready. So, Sister Madiha, we would like to begin by asking you about your journey towards becoming a life coach. Could you tell us about what led you to this profession and what you help women with? The change that happened with me started in 2018. That was like a big year for myself and my family. My daughter had a heart transplant that year and we went through a lot of like hardship. And through that hardship, what happened was that while we were in the hospital, I realized that I had other mums around me that I saw their children were suffering and the parents were suffering, critically ill children in um, ICU, in the intensive care. A lot of mums had lost their children. Like while I was there, we saw babies one day, you're standing next to the mother and you're talking to them and you're sharing your own struggles. And the next day you find out that the baby had passed away the night before. It was really hard to go through that experience. But what I experienced as a mum at that time was we used to have family that used to visit. So we had accommodation in the hospital in Newcastle and they provide accommodation for parents whose children are critically ill and are getting treatment in the hospital. So there's an area where we stay and there's a communal place that you share with all the other parents. And there was a pattern that I saw, which was very disturbing. Families would show up to support you. They would bring food for you. Your laundry was done. And um, they would come and see the parents and they would give their support like, okay, you know, you don't need to worry about your house. We're babysitting the kids for you. You know, we will get the food ready for you. All sorts of like, you know, materialistic help and support was available. But as soon as they would leave, I would see mums and dads equally, but especially mums because there were more mums over there than the fathers, that they would just crash. Like I saw so many sisters just collapse on the floor and just say, I can't deal with it anymore. They don't understand what I'm going through. Like, I can't deal with it. I can't make another decision for my child. It's too much. Like, I can't speak to them. And that kept coming up again and again. And it was like a similar situation for myself and my husband. Like, we had a lot of support from the family members. They were always there to support us in whichever way they could. But it was always to do with the physical aspect of stuff. Like, you know, doing the chores, helping out with the chores. Or if you have children back home, they're like babysitting for you and stuff. But there was never, ever support available from mental health point of view. Like nobody sat down and spoke to you about like, what are you going through? Are you doing okay? The only question, like not even the question. I think being a Muslim, what I heard 
a lot was just do sabr and shukr. Just remember Allah, just do sabr and shukr. And there's nothing wrong with doing sabr and shukr. But at the same time, you should be allowed to vent. And I didn't find any space to vent, like to get rid of my anxieties, to get rid of my depression, what I was going through as a mother, how I was struggling, how I was managing to cope with everything. So there was nobody there to offer that support. Even though the hospital was there, they were offering the support from the clinical point of view. Um, but there was always lack of this understanding from your friends and family. And that's what triggered this thing inside of me that, you know, there needs to be some, there needs to be more than this. Like there needs to be more help than just physical help. And when we came back from the hospital, because of my own anxiety issues and my own issues, I realized I needed to change something. And that's when I decided to say that, you know, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to focus on myself and I'm going to start investing in myself. Because prior to that, I had never, ever thought about mental health or what it meant to be mentally healthy in any way. But that was my peak when I had reached and I was like, I can't personally, it was, I can't deal with it anymore and I need to change something. And for me to change something outside of me, I need to change something inside. That's when I took some online courses. I signed up with Sister Naima B. Roberts, her Be The Hero Growth Program. She had started on Facebook. Um, and I signed up for that. And subhanAllah, that opened doors for me. And from there, I went up to sign up, you know, recite and reflect with uh, Sister Sumaya Hassan. Then I signed up with Sister Lainkal's Ramadan program. And then I signed up for, alhamdulillah, Sister Alia Umrayan Kadri from Solace Charity, her NLP training, also for an online training to become a life coach. Alhamdulillah, I got my certification for life coach in April 2019. Since then, I've been working with the sisters Alhamdulillah, and it's a beautiful journey. I've had my ups and downs, but Alhamdulillah, it's a very fulfilling, I wouldn't say it's a job because it just feels like it's my purpose and I need to do it. All I'm going to say is like, it's very fulfilling. It's very serving, especially to myself. You have mentioned a few things you've been through and subhanAllah, sadness and pain is real and we often don't talk about it. But we also have pain. We know it from many of the stories of the prophets, like Ya'aqub when he went through the trials he went through, sadness is real, and we are definitely allowed to feel sadness. Thank you so much for sharing that experience with us. And what I would like to ask you is, from your experiences of helping and supporting Muslim women, what are the most common obstacles and hurdles you have noticed that stop women from reaching their goals and more importantly, inner peace and tranquility? I think what I've realized is um, I have this, not a thing, but I say this to my clients that I feel like when I'm coaching them, I, I coach myself first and I tell myself that I am my first client. And what I've realized is that the, the most difficult thing is as being a woman is to ask for help. And like I said, like it, it took me all those years, like 
I'm going to be 39 next year. And um, it took me, like I would say, 37 years of my life to step up and say that I need help. And it was just that trigger of, you know, seeing my daughter in the hospital with a chest open, having four cardiac arrests and all of that stuff. That's where I had reached my peak, where I just couldn't cope anymore. And when I saw the sisters around me going through the same struggle, being a mom, like, Alhamdulillah, I was lucky enough that, um, you know, blessing in disguise, I always wanted more children, but Allah only blessed me with two, Alhamdulillah, that I have one son who's younger to my daughter, and uh, mashallah, he's very independent in that way. So my husband and him, they were looking after each other while I was in the hospital with my daughter for four months. And I realized, like, if I am struggling so much with a teenage boy who's totally independent, but I'm still going through that guilt trip and I'm still trying to play catch up with life, how are these other women coping? You know, they've got toddlers at home. They've got children who are going to school. There were mothers there who had who were nursing their children and yet they had to stay in the hospital or they had to take turns with their husbands to go back and forth. And it was very, very disturbing to see all of that. But at the same time, it showed me the reality of this dunya, that no matter what happens, you have to keep going. And there's nothing wrong with going forward, but it's like life gets to a point where you have to stop and ask for help. And I think being women, especially coming from a South Asian background and being a Muslim woman, we are never trained or we're never conditioned to ask for help. It's always about you're a mother, you're supposed to do all of this stuff. It comes with the, you know, it's part of being a mother or it's part of being a wife. And so any problems that you want to share with anybody else, all you hear is like, oh, come and join the club. You know, this is not the first time. This is not the last time. If a woman's going through miscarriage, oh, it's okay. It happens to people. So whatever we try to like whenever we try to express ourselves, our emotions, we are just, excuse my language, but we're, we're just given that shut up call that, you know, everything is fine. Everything is normal. You can't complain. And if you're complaining, even the complaining is normal, but you can't do anything about it. And then it's taken lightly. So then a lot of us women, then we don't ask for help because we know that if we ask for help, we are going to be judged that I'm not uh, being a good enough mother. If I struggle with looking after my kids, that means I'm not being there for them. I should be doing more. If I'm struggling in my married life, again, you know, it's my duty to make the sacrifices. It's my duty to make sure my husband is okay, my family's okay, or my kids are looked after. As women, we're constantly reminded how we need to sacrifice. And... Um, that's what like I've seen even in my work that that's where women keep, you know, that's what keeps like stopping them. Like it's okay. If, if they need to go see a doctor, it's like, okay, I'll do it next time. We never ever prioritize ourselves. That's a scary bit. It's a very, very scary bit, but it's the reality, I think. Thank you very much for sharing your experiences and how you've gained so much wisdom and and then it was what you decided that you have to be the voice of all these women who have, you know, who do remain and they know what their role is, whether they are a mother or a sister. 
but you're right, they don't ask for help. And I can certainly relate to that. It does resonate strongly with myself as well. And I've seen it within my, my community as well. And it's great that you've taken the initiative and you are there trying to help women with their mental health. Sister Mudiha, I wanted to ask you, after all the obstacles and challenges have been identified, how do you help your clients overcome them? Well, it's every client is different. Like I said, the first thing that comes to mind is they all, it takes them a while to ask for help. But Alhamdulillah, once they get to that stage, they've, they've taken that first step, which is very hard. After that, things become easy. It all depends on their mindset. I think identifying the issues is one thing, but working on those issues, that comes from their mindset. So a lot of the sisters will come and they will they will know what the issue is and you know where they lack confidence, which area of their life they need to work on. But then moving forward, what happens is they don't have the mindset to go through the process. And that's where I find that a lot of the times before even tackling the issue, you have to work on their mindset. And a lot of the times you fix the mindset and the problems fix themselves. So once we identify the issues that the sisters have, what we do is like I put down the plan. So we map out everything, like how, what we need to focus on. We arrange for the steps like one by one. But what happens is after the first session, what I've noticed is a lot of the sisters, then they start struggling because they come to me thinking that, I'm going for a session and when I come out of the session, I will have all the answers. And I keep telling them that it's like giving them a prescription. All I can do is I can give you the prescription. I can tell you when and how to take your medication, but it's entirely up to you whether you follow that routine and you take the prescription every single day on the same time, because that's how the medicine will work. But what happens is that they will come and sit in the sessions and they will say yes to everything because they want to see that change and they're very enthusiastic about it and um, they've invested in themselves. So definitely they want to see the change. But when you see them in the next session and you ask them, have you done the exercises that you were supposed to do? Like, have you done any mirror work? Have you done any journaling? Just to name a few things. And they will just come up with excuses. No, I haven't done that and I haven't done this. So for me, I think... The length of like out of six sessions, the first three sessions, it's just trying to shift their mindset that, listen, you will only be able to achieve what you want to achieve if you put the effort in. Just having a session by itself is not going to do anything. You will have to put the hard work in between the sessions as well. You will have to work on your self-talk. You will have to work on your limiting beliefs. You will have to do certain exercises every day you have to take time out every single day to work on that stuff because if you follow the same routine you follow the same habits they will get you the same results but if you want to change yourself you have to change your routine you have to change the questions that you ask yourself the actions that you take the words that you use or the words that you choose for yourself everything has to change for you to get a different result and I think that's where I've noticed that the most we have to work with is on their mindset before even addressing the issues that, you know, themselves. And 99% of the time, as soon as the client's mindset changes, everything else follows and it falls in place. 
Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that is so true and something that we can definitely relate to and something we also see in a lot of people. Change, as you mentioned before, has to start from within. And once we change from within, everything around us and outside of us will change as well. So once we talk about the mindset and the limiting beliefs, we can truly get a step closer to where we want to get to. Talking about limiting beliefs, I would like to ask you, we often hear and talk about how everyone has so much intrinsic value and potential, which most people unfortunately never discover and therefore reach. A lot of people don't feel worthy of asking for help. They don't feel worthy of looking after themselves. They are really good at looking after other people, but when it comes to themselves, they don't really prioritize that. So I'm sure you have had the experience of one of your clients discovering or tapping into her potential after your coaching. Would you like to share one of those truly inspiring stories with us where that change actually did happen yeah. for someone? Mashallah, all of the clients have had positive changes in their lives. There was one sister that I had worked with last year and Mashallah, she was a very hardworking woman. She was actually working for another company And she had such a skilled and, you know, multi-talented woman. You know, she came to me and she was like, I'm struggling with trying to get results for the work that I'm doing. And I want to succeed in my job and I want to get a promotion. And as we started working on her, we realized, and I mentioned it to her that, listen, you have got so much talent and the amount of effort that you put in, the hard work that you put in, and you're working for somebody else, if you were to do that for yourself, you know, you could be your own boss. And subhanAllah, I don't know what happened. Like when we were doing the work, she was, mashallah, succeeding in her job. She was very, very happy. A lot of the things, the change happens outside of the sessions. And a few weeks after our work together, she messaged me to say that she was no longer working for the company and she had set up her own business and now she was training other sisters who were working underneath her subhanallah for me to hear that it was it was amazing because I felt like she had so much to offer the world and she had so much to offer herself that it was a shame that her work was you know and she was just getting paid and just you know like a commission here and there for her work and how many sales she was making And it was shame to see that go to waste with all that potential. And when I heard that not only had she succeeded in the job that she was doing, that she had actually left the job and she was applying the same strategies, same skill set, same talent, and she had started working for herself. And she was on her feet, supporting her family and her husband, mashallah, you know, being her own boss now. That was like, subhanAllah, that was a very, very good experience for me. Alhamdulillah, it was, it was something that I still think about. And I realized that, you know, she's an example for me. So I learned from my clients as well. And Alhamdulillah, I've had other clients as well, a sister who was a stay-at-home mom. And she had done all these courses about um, a hairstyling business. But she had lost the confidence to start her own business again. But Alhamdulillah, by the third session, I would say, 
she had started ordering her stuff online and she was setting up her hairstyling business from home. And even before we finished our sessions, subhanAllah, she had become her own boss and she was doing her hairstyling business from home. I'm really, really proud of her and all the other sisters who, who've done the same, who've stood on their feet. I've had another client who, mashallah, single mom was struggling when we were coaching. And um, obviously she had a lot of confidence issues that I see with sisters who have come out of a rough marriage. And uh, subhanAllah, like again, it was a few weeks after the sessions had finished that I got a call from her and she mentioned that she had started her tutoring business from home and that now she was independently tutoring children from home and she was trying to get on her feet. So alhamdulillah, there are many more stories, but you know, these are some of them. SubhanAllah, these are truly inspirational stories that you've shared with your sister Maliha. And it's great that following your encouragement, women actually do take the next step and want to pursue whatever they would like to do and achieve their ambitions whether that's starting up their own business whether they're starting up and learning about something a different field that they're in currently if they're in a different job and they want to move to a different sector so women do stop themselves going forward and going for their ambitions and it's great that how your coaching actually helps them and for us to listen to that, it really is truly inspirational. And we need a lot more women to take the next step, which brings me on to how experiences with mental health and creating a vision link in together, how they're deeply connected to each other. So I would like to ask you, would you like to share some of your challenges with mental health and how you overcame them? Definitely. Growing up, I think I have coming from that South Asian background again, there were a lot of expectations, uh, you know, cultural expectations, expectations from the family. And like all teenagers, I think I've had fair share of my, you know, mental health issues as well growing up. And I can totally relate to some of the things like, you know, self-harm, um, struggling at the time. And then I've, I think I've struggled with, I think, social anxiety in general. I've struggled with depression all my life. And um, I think a lot of recently in the past few years, I've had panic attacks as well. But I remember like I was uh, head of debating society in my high school. And every single time I had to go on the stage, before that, I would have such a big my teacher would call it a tantrum. I would just uh, panic so much, would start crying. I would hide behind, you know, before the actual event. But as soon as I would step on that stage and stand on that podium in front of the mic, it would all disappear. But up to that point, I would panic. And it was just that thought that I'm not good enough, that I'm going to make a fool out of myself and it's going to, people are going to make fun of me. And all those, uh, you know, that negative self-talk. And even after that, I think I've struggled a lot with my, you know, with my mental health. A few years ago when I had my miscarriage, my third baby, I still to this day, I think I didn't seek any help. Like I didn't have any counselling or anything. Sometimes I ask myself, have I actually grieved? Or have I just, you know, 
walked past that moment and it shows in like my like even when my daughter was in the hospital uh, because when you're actually going through a trauma or any kind of um, you know anything with like with regards to abuse or accidents or trauma in general i think you're at that time you're on autopilot so a lot of the things don't register and your mind just tries to like keep you safe so everything just stores away in your subconscious mind and you don't want to think about it and you don't deal with the with the situation or your feelings or your emotions and that's what happened with me as well and that when this covid thing happened this year we were supposed to have this uh, workshop with sister naima b roberts in blackburn and just before the workshop obviously we had to cancel it because of the covid and she moved everything online and i was supposed to do like a webinar not a webinar but a presentation online and um, just before the actual thing i don't know what happened but i had anxiety panic whatever you want to call it it was i couldn't breathe i started crying i started shaking like a leaf and i was standing in the kitchen it was just 5 minutes away from me doing my presentation and i was just like horrified i don't know how i went um on the live i don't know what i said it still feels a bit weird because i've not gone back to see what i said or did it just feels like a vague memory but what i realized was that there was something that had triggered and what had happened was just before that you know in the beginning of these this covid thing um on the news you would hear those uh, beeping sounds that you hear in the hospital with regards to the machines and i had heard that sound the beeping sound and every time i would hear that it would take me back to when i was in the hospital with my daughter and just hearing that sound the beeping sound on the machine it would remind me how the machines would stop beeping when my daughter's the life support that she was on when every single time she would have a clot in the pipes the machine would start going off and that would mean that there's something wrong and the doctors had to rush and the nurses had to rush and we had to leave the room so it was just like a trigger it would take me back there all the time so during this pandemic i think i've had a lot of panic attacks a lot of anxiety and i would say first time i had to ask for help again and i asked i had to ask for therapy and i had a couple of sessions to help me out and it's just um that's what i think that's why coaching makes everything real for me because when i speak to sisters it's all about because i know where they come from and it's not just a textbook advice for me it's i've been in their shoes and i know how it feels physically and i know it how it feels mentally and especially for muslim sisters i know how it feels like when somebody just turns around and says it's normal just do sabr just do shukr do more zikr do salah do wudu yes all of that matters yes all of that helps but at the same time you need to ask for help and it's very very important for us to ask for help but that's what we don't tell our sisters it's always about you know turn towards allah yes you turn towards allah but allah has also said that you know there's a cure for every disease 
and mental health is just as important, if not more, than your physical health. And like you have physical illnesses, you have mental illnesses. So we should treat them the same. You know, if somebody is sick physically, you're not just going to tell them, you're going to do rukia, you're going to do everything else from Islamic point of view. You're also going to go and seek help from the doctor. You're also going to take medication. So why not when you're feeling down mentally? Why do we not approach the mental health the same way? Absolutely. Thank you so much for the answer and sharing your experiences with us. We have to approach ourselves holistically. We have to know that we have a body we need to take care of, but there are also other parts that need to be taken care of. So life can be full of challenges for sure. But it's really beautiful how we can overcome them by the permission and help of Allah and how we are not tested with more than we can bear, knowing that he is always with us. Looking after our mental health is not just something that should be taken lightly. It's a responsibility, really. We often talk about how we first have to save ourselves so we can save someone else as well. So that's definitely really important. And thank you again for sharing that with us. To conclude, we would love to hear about your current services and projects and what we can expect in the future. Yes, so I have a few options available for sisters. So I do one-on-one coaching. Um, I've recently also started group coaching. But my main focus is working one-to-one with sisters. That one is a 12-week program. That's my signature program called The Woman Within. In that one, I just use a three-step approach. And we work on any and all areas of your life mainly the top three and even out of that top three I think one because it's very important to focus on you know one thing at a time but what I've realized is when you work on one area of your life it has a ripple effect on everything else so even if you're working on your health it will end up solving a lot of your issues with regards to your marriage with regards to your work or your relationships so on and so forth so I have a 12-week self-transformation program. And the reason I call it self-transformation is because it, as a coach, my job is just to assist the sisters. It's to help them realize. It's just to help them through their healing, give them the tools to grow and the way they work on themselves and how they start accepting and acknowledging themselves as a whole person that's where their transformation takes place. And over the 12 weeks, we, we work on their mindset. We do work on healing. But healing comes from understanding the root cause of their issues. So it's not like counseling where we sit and discuss your traumas and things like that. But it's what happens is that when we discuss, when we ask the question, certain questions, we get the answers and that those answers help them deal with their trauma. It makes them understand what they've been through, how they should approach the experience, how they should accept the feelings and not just keep suppressing them and, you know, trying to get rid of them. And Alhamdulillah, within 12 weeks, the self-transformation again, it happens. So it's, they do all the work. I'm just there to assist 
and I give shared the different tools, different exercises that they use to work on their self-confidence and just help them with their growth as a person. And there are some sisters who come for professional help. So Alhamdulillah, you have to work on yourself and everything else will fall into place. So whether it's to do with your relationships, your health, your family, your finances, your spirituality, everything starts from you. So we work on the sister, on herself, and then everything else, it just takes care of itself, alhamdulillah. And I've recently started a free Zoom session every single Thursday. So it's for two hours, 10 till 12 on Zoom. And it's an open invitation for all the sisters to join from around the world. And uh, we just have discussion. We take one question and then we just, uh, it's like a group coaching and we discuss sisters. We have Q&A and we talk about the issues, how we I can help them, how I can support them. Um, and I coach them in those two hours, alhamdulillah. So that's a free session, which is every Thursday. And the link and the poster is on my Instagram and on my Facebook, alhamdulillah. I've also worked with a local charity, the Dean Center. We used to have weekly sessions, SOS group coaching sessions with them, which is Save Our Shades of Success for Sisters. But because of the COVID, we had to put that on hold and we're working on it to start them again, maybe on Zoom, inshallah. That's again a free session that I use to work with the local charity. I have also offered free support through Solace Charity. So I've worked with some of their sisters, service users, and I've done coaching with them for free, alhamdulillah. And I'm working on a few more things for, inshallah, for the new year, working on more projects. And I'm also currently co-hosting a parenting uh, workshop with another sister from Leicester. That happens every Friday, and I post the link on my social medias, Instagram and Facebook, every Thursday and Friday morning, just as a reminder. So I have these free workshops that I conduct for sisters. And I have my one-on-one program, which I said like it's a 12-week self-transformation program and group coaching. I'm not going to say it's that uh, sisters are very keen on that because I think they like to work on -on one-on-one. So that's a bit, it's not that busy, but the one-on-one, alhamdulillah, is uh, going really well because sisters like to work and focus on themselves without another somebody else present so alhamdulillah that's how i'm working so far Alhamdulillah, thank you so much for sharing all your different projects that you are working on i totally understand when we want to address anything within ourselves having a one-to-one relationship and working through those issues is very important and me personally I probably would feel reluctant to join in a group session as well even though those sessions are beneficial for others as well because once you have a question and, and you sort of like discuss it amongst others there's so many different perceptions so many different opinions so many different answers and it can work together and you know it can help you as well Thank you so much for letting us know about that and, and all the stuff that you do that's free of charge and through your uh, weekly Zoom sessions as well that you're helping sisters. May Allah reward you for this and make this as your good deeds uh, for the hereafter. Allahumma ameen. This has been a wonderful podcast episode with yourself, learning so many different things. So the last question that I would like to ask you is, what one piece of advice 
that you find extremely crucial and important that you wish someone had told you in the past that you would like to share with us? I think personally, I would say I would have loved for my community and my people or my family members and friends to have told me growing up that, you know, I should not wait and rely on other people for help and support, that my happiness comes from within. It it comes from my fulfillment is my duty. It's not anybody else's job to make me happy or feel fulfilled because I think that's where my personal struggles were because I realized that I was told whenever I wanted to do something, it was all about pleasing the people around me and it was never ever about myself it was always putting everybody else first I think that's changed for me when I came I got married because I was born and brought up in Pakistan but when I came over here to England it changed for me because my husband is the one who made me realize that listen it's you if you want to achieve something you have to do it yourself don't wait for anybody else to take that step for you because I think it's the culture like when girls want to do something they're told okay when you get married you can do it in your husband's house when you have children then you will be fulfilled you know because you're supposed to be a mother and all these cultural expectations I think that's where we struggle as women and we can't reach our full potential because we're always told that it's associated with pleasing other people and what we don't realize is that our fulfillment our happiness everything comes from pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whereas we forget about that and we stop pleasing this world because part of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is acknowledging what he has blessed you with And I'm not saying blessed you in the sense of your parents or your siblings or your husband, your children, everything. They all come secondary. It's what has he blessed you with as a person? We as women, Allah has blessed us with so many skills, so many talents. And when that goes to waste because we wait for somebody else to come and show us that, okay, yes, you're able to do this. Yes, you've got the talent. It's a shame because... We need to do that inner work and realize that, you know what, Allah has given me this talent. If Allah wanted to create me as a simple woman who just who just needs to be in the house, just, you know, serve her family, he would have created me that way. But if he's blessed you with all these skills and talents and, you know, this attitude to succeed in life, to help and serve other people, because whenever we're doing something, it's not about having a job and just being financially independent. That's that's a result of what you're doing. But it's whatever we do, we are helping and serving other people. So whether a sister wants to start her own business, whether she wants to have a career in whatever that she wants to have a career in, or Allah has blessed her with that skill. And I think that sister needs to focus on herself. She needs to acknowledge that, you know what? Allah has created me this way. And I don't need to wait for other people to come and validate me. I need to sit down and validate myself. I need to accept myself for who I am. I need to say, Alhamdulillah, 
for what Allah has blessed me with, which is my intellect, you know, my ability to relate to people, my ability to help and serve other people. There are different ways of helping and serving this world. And if Allah has blessed you with one of them, you should use that. Because on the day of judgment, you're going to stand in front of Allah and he's going to ask you, I gave you all these opportunities. I gave you the skills. I gave you the intellect. Why didn't you use it? And you can't just stand in front of him on that day and say, you know what, this happened and that happened. And because I was a mother, I couldn't do this. Or because I was so-and-so, I couldn't do this. You can't use your circumstances as an excuse to not show up yourself for yourself. Because I think ourselves, our body, everything is an amana from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not ours. So whatever we have, whatever we are, it's because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's from Him. And we need to appreciate that. And we need to take advantage of that. And that's how you're going to reach your full potential. I always say to the sisters that as long as you're not doing anything haram and you are within the boundaries of Islam, there is nothing stopping you from reaching your goals, from living your dreams, from serving other people. And that has to start by serving yourself. You owe that. It's our duty towards ourselves to love, appreciate, and acknowledge ourselves, to be kind to ourselves first, fill our cup first, and then we can show up as a better mother, as a better wife, as a better daughter for everybody else around us. So I think everything starts from, from within. And as soon as you start working on yourself, inshallah, I can say that as a 100% guarantee when you work on yourself, when you work on your own growth, on your own personal growth, your spirituality, your physical health, your mental health, your relationships, everything else falls into place. But if you don't do the work on yourself and you keep relying on the people around you or the external factors to make you happy and successful, you're always going to be struggling. That's what I would say to the sisters is to show up for themselves. They owe it to themselves. Inshallah, if they think that if they work on themselves or they invest in themselves, they are taking something away from other people, it's quite the opposite, I would say. The more they work on themselves, the more they have to offer the world, inshallah. Inshallah, wow. That was such an amazing answer. Allahumma barik. You talked about so many important things such as knowing who you are and it really is a journey of discovery at the end, discovering yourself, discovering what you are good at and then using your potential, using your strengths to make a difference in the world, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when we talk about why we even exist, we know that it's to worship him. That is our purpose. That is why we are here on this planet. But there's also something that everybody has been created for or a role they have to play in this world. And it's really about finding that because you have said beautifully before how 
there's no other you. There's only one you. You have these abilities and talents, this potential ultimately, and you have to make use of that. You don't have any excuse and you will certainly not have an excuse on the day of judgment. This is why it's so important to really focus on taking action and making your dreams and your goals a reality, not just for yourself, first of all, for the sake of Allah, for yourself and then for the world ultimately, inshallah. And this also gives you a sense of urgency because we know that our time is only limited. So we should take action and we should not wait any longer because maybe it will be too late or we might miss an opportunity that will never come again. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences, your thoughts full of wisdom with us. We definitely appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved every bit. Jazakallah khair. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Sister Madiha. I, again, want to reiterate that your insights and your wisdom, I have personally learned so much. And I think that a lot of other sisters will listen to this and learn a lot from your experiences. We truly appreciate you taking the time out and coming on our podcast. And we hope to do this again. Thank you so much. And may Allah reward you for everything that you do. Ameen. Jazakallah khair for having me. I've loved every bit. I just hope that I've made a difference to someone, at least even if it's one sister who can listen to this podcast and take that one step and work on her growth and her healing and her transformation. I think then I would think that my job's done. I would be very happy. I'm humbled and truly honored to be a part of this podcast. May Allah give you guys success. We're looking forward to more projects together, inshallah. We would just like to say thank you again for coming on our podcast. We look forward to all your varied projects that you will be launching and definitely another episode. We will definitely love to collaborate with you. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.